Behind the scenes with athletes and coaches. This is Athlete One Podcast with Ken Carpenter. Hello and welcome to the Athlete One Podcast. I'm Ken Carpenter. Well, if you're looking for a podcast about sports that includes great stories from behind the scenes, told by coaches and athletes, you found the right podcast. I'll bring on guests who will give you insight, training tips, and stories of their experiences. Tune in each week, and thanks for listening. Let's introduce our first guest. His name is Chris Huseman. Huey is the head baseball coach at Dublin Drome High School. He has 21 years of head coaching experience. In that time, Chris has 344 career victories. In 1998, he led Jonathan Alder to its first state championship. Currently, his overall record in tournament play is 36-18 for a 667 winning percentage. In 2016, Chris was inducted into the Central District Baseball Coaches Hall of Fame in Ohio. He played college baseball at Otterbein University and is a three-sport athlete from Portsmouth, Ohio. Huey, welcome to the podcast. Kenny, I couldn't be more tickled to death to be on your first show and um, just really excited to be here. What I'd like to do is um, you start off in high school. You grew up in Portsmouth, Ohio, and um, you know you played for a couple legendary coaches both in high school and college. And uh, the first coach in high school at Portsmouth High School was uh, Coach Tipton, I believe. Is that correct? That's correct, John Tipton, yes. Um, tell me a little bit about your, your high school experience as far as at, coming from a player standpoint and and uh, share some stories what you have from uh, playing for Coach Tipton. Well, I, you know, with me, and I'm glad you brought that up first too, Kenny, and um, with me, I felt like I had a jump start on everyone coming out of high school because my coach that I played for um, was indeed one of those stereotypical old school coaches. Um, he was a yeller. He was a screamer. Um, he demanded the best and perfection out of everyone. And um, the thing that made me listen to him was he actually knew what he was talking about. Um, I realized that more and more as I got to be a young coach and then now to be an older coach today uh, I realized how detail-oriented and how well he knew the game. Um, the plays that I still run today were from high school. Uh, our pickoffs, our bunk coverages, our, um, our outfield play, um, just a lot of little things. And as you know, uh, being a coach yourself, Kenny, too, um, baseball coaches steal things from uh, one another all the time, and they share them, and that's what's such a – a great thing is a, uh, a community, that camaraderie that you share with all the coaches out there. And um, playing under Coach Tipton, uh, who's a Hall of Fame baseball coach in Ohio here, um, just gave me a jump start on everything that I knew. Um, little hand signals, gestures, what to look for, grips. We would practice uh, nonstop, uh, just the little things that would um, win you a ball game or lose you a ball game. And um, I guess I carried that through uh, to my coaching style and it was effective. And, um, you know, it was just something that I always, always remember about him, how detail oriented he was as a coach. Okay. What about you as a, 
as a high school player, what position did you play? And, um, you know, talk about how that led you to uh, deciding to go to Otterbein to play at the college level. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, you got to keep in mind here, Southern Ohio is, um, you know, at least when I grew up back then, it wasn't a hotbed for recruiting. We had numerous pros that came out of that area. Al Oliver, uh, Gene Tennis, for the old guys that know what I'm talking about, Larry Heisel, um, just, you know, a lot of good pros back in the day. But um, it wasn't a hotbed for recruiting. Uh, nowadays, you get recruiting, you know, you can just punch on uh, a website and find out, uh, just watch video uh, nonstop of a guy. So back then, it was kind of word of mouth. And I played shortstop and I played, uh, I was the uh, a right-handed pitcher. Uh, I was probably an upper 80s guy uh, off the mound, but I had a really nice 12-6 curveball. And, um, you know, I could get the ball across the diamond. Of course, back then, you know, going to play shortstop after you pitched uh, was really not that big of a deal. I mean, you were expected still to make the plays and make that long throw across the diamond. So, um, you know, it's something I never really thought about with the pitch counts being the way they are today and everything else. Now, when you decided to go to Otterbein, um, were you a, a dual player? Or did you play a position and pitch or did you just pitch only? Um, that's the thing I didn't know coming in. Um, and I feel a lot of players back then really didn't know that, you know, you could actually come in as a dual player, but back then um, you were recruited for one spot and one spot only, and that's the spot that you played. Um, there was times that I would turn around and look behind me, you know, when I did pitch at Otterbein, and I'd be like, you know, I can play that position just as well, if not better. And uh, Coach Fish never let me play that. But uh, I did pitch. Uh, I did get injured um, there as well. But that was kind of a blessing in disguise because that's kind of where I got my coaching start. Now, didn't you you actually um, coached a, a college game at at, at Otterbein, right? I did. Um, Coach Fishball was, uh, of course, he's a legend. He's also in the Hall of Fame here in Ohio. And uh, he uh, <laughs> uh, one day, uh, you know, has great rapport with all the umpires. Of course, he was, you know, he's been at Otterbein. He came from Pickerington, Ohio. And um, he's been he's been in Otterbein forever. Well, mind you, he's had great rapport with all these umpires. Well, one day uh, we're playing at uh, Ohio Northern up in Ada, Ohio, and um, Fish went to question a call and a strikeout. I think of his son that was at bat, and um, he come. Uh, he was a very heavy set fellow, you know, just um, one of the best coaches I've ever had, though, and. Uh, he come running down and uh, got a little top heavy and lost his momentum coming towards the plate and tripped over a um, sprinkler head that they had there on the field and barreled into the umpire. And the umpire turned around and said, fish, what are you doing? I, you know, I got to throw you out of the game. And he was just beside himself. He's never been thrown out of a game in so many years. And uh, because he made contact with the umpire, uh, he, <laughs> he had to sit from the parking lot and watch the next two games. And lo and behold, me being the only traveling assistant, student assistant at that time, um, I had to coach the, uh, those two games. There you go. Did you win? We went, we, we did win both those games and, uh, our sports information director, Ed Saiguda, I remember this was seriously debating on whether or not putting me in the, uh, 
uh, Otterbein uh, coaching handbook for uh, two wins that year. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, now coach, coach Fishbaugh, you know, just being around central Ohio and, and being a coach myself, I uh, got a chance to talk to coaches who have played for coach Fishbaugh or had experiences with coach. And, um, you know, I, you know, you do a great impersonation of him, probably better than anybody that I've come across, but when you share it, um, every coach that's ever been around coach Fishbaugh just breaks into laughter. And, you know, what, do you have a great story from coach fish that, uh, that you could, uh, yeah, honestly, Ken, there's so many that I can't remember them all, but every time we get together and that's the thing about Otterbein, it's such a great place that, um, it, you don't have to go too far to run into an Otterbein alumni, uh, as far as the coaching circles are concerned. So wherever we're at, uh, whether it's at a clinic or, you know, uh, a showcase or wherever it might be, we'll run into one another and we will just incessantly just share fishball stories all day long. And one that comes off the top of my head was we used to go to Panama city, Florida for our spring break trip. And, um, we would, uh, be, you know, bed check would be at a certain time, whatever it would be 11 o'clock and fish would, uh, come in. And, um, for whatever reason this night, he came in in his underwear and a uh, very windy night there on the beach in Panama City and his hair, you know, he kind of had the Donald Trump hair, you know, going off to the side there and it was flying all over. And, you know, I look in the doorway and here's this man, heavy set man in his underwear pulled up past his belly button and hair flying all over. And I'm, think, I'm thinking, my God, what in the world is this? And uh, Fish looked at me. Now, you got to understand, bed check was one of those things in Division Three college that you know, you pretty much, you, you would, <laughs> you would sneak out a lot and, uh, being on the beach and everything else, all my roommates snuck out and I was the only one in their room check. And I remember fish uh, looked at me and said, uh, Hey, Hirsch, you got them all there. You got everybody <laughs> standing there looking in the same room I am. And I turned to him and I said, yeah, fish, we're all here. And he nodded his head in his underwear and his hair flying everywhere and said, okay, we'll see you at seven o'clock at McDonald's. <laughs> you only got $7, $7. That's all you got at McDonald's. And I said, I, I, I'm just, I, this is, this is all new to me. You know, this old division three thing. And we're, you know, and meanwhile, my roommates are out on the beach somewhere, you know, chasing girls or whatever. And, uh, um, here I am in there and he, I'm getting a lecture about $7 at McDonald's from my uh, college baseball coach in his underwear. There you go. I love it. <laughs> now, I, I guess I, you know, based on that, you are, you had a couple games under your belt as a college coach. Is that kind of what led you into when you got your teaching job, um, becoming a high school baseball coach? Yeah, it was. Uh, Kyle Ramey was my roommate at Otterbein. Uh, he since now is a uh, he was a very successful high school and bas- basketball and baseball coach uh, in Kettering, Kettering Fairmont. Um, he, uh, you know, he he pushed me towards the education route. Um, and when I got in it, it was very structured. And I thought this was a way for me to be able to coach. So um, from there, I ended up coaching. Um, this is my 30th year now. Um, being involved in coaching either, you know, college or high school, uh, athletics. And, um, because of that, um, it just seemed to all fall into place for me. 
uh, as I went. Uh, you know, it, it, a lot of people say, well, I made that wrong decision or I made that wrong decision. But for me, it was every time I've turned around, you know, somebody was pushing me in a direction that benefited me. So uh, your first head coaching job is at Jonathan Alder. Yeah, Jonathan Otter was uh, for me. Now you gotta you gotta understand, um, you know, being from Southern Ohio and and the only big city down in Southern Ohio. Um, I was somewhat of a city boy. Um, didn't know my way around a farm or whatnot. And Jonathan Otter is in Plain City, Ohio, and it was more of a Mennonite community, farming community. Kids would get up at five a.m. to feed, you know, the livestock and whatnot. And um, here I am rolling in with all my ideas and this, that, and the other uh, for coaching and um, got my first head coaching job there. And I looked at the field and you might as well threw four bases over in a cornfield and called it, uh, you know, called it a, a, a stadium or, or, you know, a baseball diamond. And um, the first thing that we did is I was lucky enough to have about three or four really, really good parents um, that we basically, uh, just revamped that whole entire field and made it unbelievably nice. And, um, with that, I think that was something to be said because when kids came in, you had that automatic feeling of, Hey, this guy's serious. He wants to do something here. And, um, I think that in turn spurred on the players. Okay. How long did it take before you won your first state state title? It took four years, um, you know, and a lot of people, I think that's like, you know, really, really, really good. And it is. Um, but you got to have the athletes. Um, I think we had uh, we had the athletes. They just didn't know they were athletes, um, if that makes sense. They didn't know they were baseball players and they didn't know how good they really were until I pushed them up against the best competition I could find around the area. We would play Division One schools all the time, um, and just let them know they didn't know. Well, okay, was it sectional, and then you go to the district, and then you go to regional, and then the state. They knew nothing about that. They were one and done every single year. Um, they had a couple years where they had some good players in there, and um, maybe made it to the district. Um, but until I got there, they really didn't know. You know, this is how you go about that, and we were incessant on just laying it all out there. And, you know, we play for the tournament only. Uh, league championships are nice and they're all great, but we're playing for one thing in this program and one thing only, and that's a league, uh, That's a, uh, how far we go in the tournament. Right. So you, um, you win the state title, and then um, I kind of wanted to uh, move toward where you made the jump to, to Dublin and – you know, you had to take a, almost like a step back in a way because you had to become an assistant coach and you were assistant coach for two different coaches and one being Phil Callahan and the other one being Tim Saunders, both who were in the Hall of Fame here in the state of Ohio. And um, talk about the difference from being an assistant coach to a head coach. Um, that's a great question. And um, I think – a lot of people today, uh, especially the younger coaches, uh, and there are a lot of great younger coaches out there. Um, I think a lot of them, they don't have that. Um, I know when to step back and I know when to just 
pull the reins back a little bit and, you know, wait for a bigger chance for me. Um, I knew living in Dublin, Ohio, which is a very affluent community, um, wants for nothing here. Um, you know, it is a very, very nice community. Um, three great high schools, three unbelievably gorgeous facilities. Um, I knew being uh, living in Dublin since the early 90s that this is where I wanted to be. And if I had left Jonathan Alder, that would be the, one of the only places I left for. So I left um, in order uh, for me to uh, get the head baseball job at Jerome. I knew that and uh, I would have to be an assistant for three or four years. And I did that. And I'm glad I did because I learned so much under two, as you said, Hall of Fame coaches and Phil Callahan. Phil Callahan made the most out of the least amount of athletic uh, talent I have ever seen in my life. Um, Uber discipline, um, just unbelievably uh, hammer home, uh, you know, rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 uh, on every decision that you make. Why did you make that decision? You know, just hammered the kids nonstop. I learned a lot from that. Um, and then I went as an assistant for uh, Tim Saunders, who uh, is now the president of the ba- uh, National Baseball Coaches Association, BCA, and uh, was under him for a while and um, just really learned a lot about what it takes to build a program. Um, I remember one thing Tim told me that always stuck with me was, you know, coaching is 50% PR and 50% coaching knowledge. And that's one thing, Kenny, that always stood out in my mind um, that I'm like, no, being a young coach, I'm like, it's always, you know, coaching knowledge. Um, You know, you put me up against anybody, I'll manufacture three or four runs. Right. And um, I got to learn and my I got humbled in my older age. And um, as playing bigger programs every single day in our league and around the state, I learned that he was exactly right. And, um, you know, you're not going to win every game by coaching and you got to have the athletes and you got to have the program. And I learned under Tim how to build a program um, within your school. And so with those two guys, uh, I'm that I'm very glad that you asked that question, because that's how I kind of learned to add to what I already knew. Right. Now, you took over Dublin Jerome High School, and you've had tremendous success there. Um, And the one thing that really stands out to me is uh, being a coach who coached against you and had a chance to uh, be an assistant coach for you um, was the, the players that you brought in and you developed. And talk a little bit about about some of the players. And, And one of the players that you know, stands out as one of the best players at uh, Jerome High School to go along with some of the others was your own son, Aaron. Talk about some of the, the best players you've had, you know, through Jonathan Alder and up to uh, your time at Jerome. You know, you know, and, and like I said before, I mean, you got to have the players to be able to, um, you know, to be able to make waves, especially in Ohio. Ohio baseball is fabulous. It's, it's unreal. Uh, the coaching uh, is unreal in the state. Um, from Cleveland to Toledo to Cincinnati to Columbus um, and, um, you know, all points in between. It's it's just unreal. And uh, in order to do that, you have to have that edge. Some of the players that I've coached um, that, um, 
you know, you had to mold into those situations and, and, and things like that were unbelievable. You know, Jonathan Alder, I had people that, you know, like Kevin Miller and, and Donnie Nicky and Charlie Reitzel and Jeff Shellabart and Sean Birch and Jason Caldwell. I can just go on and on. And those guys, they thought for themselves. So I didn't have to really, you know, it was like having uh, nine coaches on the field. Um, if you, when you get to that situation, you're going to win a state championship. It's, it's, there's no if, ands, or buts around it. Um, at Dublin Jerome, we've had seven eighths of that puzzle um, most of the time. Uh, when I have players like Jason King and Jared King, who both went to Kansas State, uh, Jason got drafted in the uh, uh, fifth round by the Detroit Tigers, and Jared got drafted um, by the fourth in the fourth round, I believe, by uh, New York Mets. Um, you know, it's easy to have players like that, but I, I, I think it, it's, it's the players like a Sean Casey, you could throw every day. It was 86. Um, but his slider was just unhittable. Um, it's the Austin Molters, um, you know, the, the, uh, the people like that, that basically, um, are the role players that you have, um, that really make up your team. And, you know, you can have a team of, uh, all-stars out there, but, you know, if you don't have that team mentality, which is what we preach all the time, um, then they're going to play as individuals. And um, it's just, you know, building that, you know, reading a good book. And one of the great books I've been reading lately is uh, from a player from my hometown, Jeff Ramey. um, And it's just talks about positive periphery. And that positive periphery is just, you know, surround yourself with dreamers and the doers, um, the believers and the thinkers. But the most of all, surround yourself with those who, see the greatness within you, even when you don't see it yourself. Um, that was a great line in his book that I always refer to now and then. And, um, you know, Jeff was a great player at my high school back in the day that played at uh, IU and, and uh, played briefly in the pros, but um, he's a writer now. But, uh, you know, a lot of those things that come across are um, just having the facilities, having the people, having the coaches, and like you said, Kenny, you coached for me. I coached against you. Um, you know, your teams were always ready to play. Um, you've beaten me. I've beaten you. And we've had our great times. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the little things that you remember, like oh, yeah. the rides and the, and the trips and uh, the dugout conversations and the rapport with umpires. Um, you know, I couldn't tell you what my league record was in 2014. Honestly, don't care. Um, but I can tell you those players and those captains and, and what they're doing today and if they have children or not and if they're a parent and where they're working. And right. that's that's the key. You know, for um, coaches that might uh, you know check us out on this podcast here, um, what what advice would you give coaches that are, you know, I've had to do it and you've been through it, coaching your son and dealing with the, uh, the scrutiny that comes with uh, – coaching your son? Well, you know, you said it, Kenny, it's, that's, that's in coaching. That's probably the toughest thing that I've ever had to do. And I know you could probably say the same. And, um, you know, your son, Jake was a great pitcher in his own right, played for a high Dominican university, a great, great uh, baseball school too. And, you know, my son played at uh, university of Dayton and uh, played four years there, started all four years. And, um, you know, he got, he got to play for a coach that was, um, you know, same way as my high school coach, um, you know, kind of in your face, do your job or you don't play. And, 
um, things like that. And I like to think that I help mold them for that situation. Um, but it's always tough when you're looking around the dugout and you've got those 25 other eyes looking at you and you're dealing with your son and maybe your son doesn't get that squeeze down or maybe your son makes an error that costs us a game or he strikes out with bases loaded in the bottom of the seventh or, you know, he doesn't get that save on the mound when you bring him in. Um, you know, whatever the situation is, you know, you're setting yourself up for failure because um, that, it's going to happen. And, you know, one of the books I've been reading uh, by Jessica Leahy is The Gift of Failure. And it made me understand that that's what's going to make you better in the long, you know, don't be afraid to fail. And I, if I ever, you know, if I ever want to tell Aaron one of these days, you know, I, and I do all the time, you know, I'm really so proud of him. He's an Army Ranger now and doing great things. But, um, you know, it's um, I'm glad you failed because that made him the person that he is today, if that makes sense. And, you know, the stuff that Jake went through when he was in high school made him the type of person that he is today. And so coaching your son is not an easy thing to do. Um, The term daddy ball was used uh, against me multiple times. And, um, you know, it's tough. It, It really is because you put yourself in that situation. But, you know, at the end of the day, I wouldn't want him playing for anybody else. And um, that's not a knock on other coaches. It's just, you know, something that we can look back on and share a beer later and say, hey, you know what? That was those were some fun times. Definitely. Uh, and, you know, I'd, I'd like to, uh, you know, down the road here, I want to get Aaron and have him actually sit down and, and uh, join the podcast here to talk about his experiences from being a high school and college athlete and to now being an army ranger and, you know, being a part of an elite uh, group of guys there. But um, to kind of switch it up a little bit here, um, you know, the, you know, you talked about uh, dealing with umpires and coaches and different things. And, um, you know, what can you, can you share a favorite umpire story that you may have come across? You know, there's so many, Kenny, uh, that every umpire that comes to our park or if we go to a away game and I see a couple umpires walk up, I have a story about that guy or both. Of them. And, um, you know, it, it's that's that's what makes it all, um, you know, that rapport, I guess. So, uh, so good. Um, do those guys give me calls? Heck no. <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, I let them know about it. And at the end of the game, you know, I might be a little miffed or whatever, Adam. But at the same time, I know in a couple of weeks when I see them down the road at another game, I'm going to be just as happy that they're there. Um, big Bart Andrews, big, big man, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, uh, umpire, likes to control the game, um, takes charge of the game, takes pride in the fact that he has, you know, uh, takes control of the game. Uh, I remember um, knowing that, you know, Bart's going to be in the zone. I mean, he's going to be in tune and focused when he comes up. So the first thing I did was I grabbed a Sharpie and I held it underneath my lineup card. And when he grabbed my lineup card, I proceeded to put a streak all the way up his arm in pink Sharpie. And uh, what he said to me, I can't repeat on air, uh, but for the next 25 times I've had him as umpire over the years. Either he will come out and mark me up or I will mark him up 
And um, it's just been one of those things that that's our little thing, you know, <laughs> and uh, we uh, we just have that developed that over the times that uh, and, and coaches all have those those stories. And I'm sure you do, too. But that's just one little example of the coaching camaraderie around. Yeah, I, you know, I still recall being in college and uh, to make extra money, I became an umpire. And the year you won the state title, I was a um I must have got assigned to do eight or nine of your games, and and was, I really in, enjoyed uh, just the the ground rules meeting at home plate was always a, a favorite of mine. Just getting to hear the coaches. Well, talk. you know, some of those things like you know, I'll, I'll I'll run out, I'll do a sprint. Well, that's back when I could sprint, but I <laughs> I would sprint out to the umpires, and I would proceed to tell them a joke, and they would just be dumbfounded, and I'd turn around and run off. And um, they would um, be like that. He, he was just unbelievable. I can't. That's just the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, you know, to me, it's like, hey, we have a lot more problems today than somebody blowing a call at second base and, you know, things like that. I mean, I, I like to think of as umpires are 90 percent guys, 90 to 95 percent. Well, that still means that they're going to blow five or 10 calls at the plate and strikes or five or 10 calls maybe in the field. Um, but a 90% in education is still an A. And, you, um, you know, if you look at it in that terms, and that, and I'll tell you who said that to me is uh, the late Steve Gessler, uh, who was just a tremendous man and tremendous coach. And uh, uh, I always remember that. Okay. He was a great guy. I, you know, he, he helped me with uh, when I had some health issues uh, before he, he passed away and uh, just a phenomenal coach. What advice do you give to, if for incoming freshmen to your program, um, be willing to learn and accept new ideas from the coach. Um, at an affluent place like Dublin Jerome, um, we have uh, hitting coaches, pitching coaches, fielding coaches. Um, we have mental coaches, believe it or not. Um, and um, if you are one, if you're dead set on your way, then um, that's going to turn the coach off immediately. And be willing to accept uh, what the high school coach tells you and try new things. Um, if it doesn't work out, go back to your old way. Um, but be willing to accept new coaching. What about um, for the uh, the player that's the returning starter that kind of feels like they, they got their position locked up? Because I know at Jerome, uh, get a lot of good athletes coming through there, and you can easily get your position taken away if you aren't working on your game. Um, those are the players that are usually sitting on the bench middle of the way through the year and starting to form that circle at the end of the dugout with other players and uh, trying to tear down your team within um, because they didn't work hard enough to keep that job. Um, the thing that I, we always mention, and you've been, on the, you've been around the program, is uh, when you do win your job, your job has just started, and that is you've got to keep that job every single day. Definitely. You know, we understand that you're going to have bad – you know, bad ABs. You're going to, have to make a couple of those errors. You're going to, you know, walk a guy in a crucial situation. But um, if you start doing it consistently, where it's hurting the team, um, then uh, we have to make a move. And we have younger guys that are uh, more than willing to step in. Chris, who's the first coach that jumps into your mind that is very successful and a student of the game? Don Thorpe from Lakewood, who has what over 900 wins, close to a thousand wins in his high school career, and it's. Uh, he has a way that he's done. And 
every clinic, every showcase, every um, mini clinic, um, every um, Ohio baseball coaches convention, um, anything like that that I attend, who do I see right in the middle? I see Don Thorpe sitting there right in the middle uh, wearing his uh, pink jacket that was supposed to be red, but he refuses to get a new one because he likes it. And, um, but that just told me way back then that this is a man that's always willing to learn. He's always willing to, um, listen, not necessarily agree, but listen to somebody else's way of doing things. And, um, I guess if you're, I got a thousand wins under your belt, you're doing something right. But if you're still willing to go out and listen to somebody else's, um, what works for them, then to me, uh, he is, uh, he's a pioneer. Definitely. Well, I'd like to thank you, Chris, for, uh, taking the time to sit down and, uh, talk a little bit of baseball with me. Thank you for listening to the athlete one podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. Don't forget to leave us a comment and subscribe and turn on your notifications. So you know when a new episode is released. Also, please don't forget to click the link in the description If you want to learn the fastest way to become a millionaire in 2021 to claim your free copy of Millionaire Shortcut. Chris, once again, thanks for being on the Athlete One podcast. Thank you.